0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: I feel a little awkward. I'm Mark. I'm a sexaholic from San Antonio. My recovery date is December 14th of 2007. This disease is life or death for me. I'm so grateful to be here and get the honor of introducing our keynote speaker, the Saturday night speaker tonight, it's Harvey A. from Nashville. We asked Harvey to uh, be our speaker about a year ago, and uh, it, it was it was really wo- it was wonderful. He said he'd do it. Uh, for those of you who don't know Harvey, he's been around a long time, been sober a long time. I think he came in right after the War of eighteen twelve, um, and. And it was it was really cool. And then we, we hit 2017, and all of a sudden, we go from uh, the six foot invisible rabbit, which was the only Harvey anyone ever ever heard of, to the Hollywood Harvey, and then Hurricane Harvey. So, like Andrea said, we're glad 2017 is over. Although as a sponsor, it was fun sending him Snapchats of me with the headlines, you know, "Harvey destroys Texas," and you know, "Texas to Harvey, get the hell out of here," you know. It's like, "Hey, Harvey, come on to San Antonio." So that was fun. Um, Harvey was one of the first people. Well, what? Harvey was the first person we brought into San Antonio, as I talked about earlier today, uh, and he he has had such a dramatic effect on this city. Uh, it was funny they sent me, to, they sent me to pick up uh, Harvey at the airport when he first came in, and you know it would have been a little helpful if someone had given me some description of Harvey and Nancy, like they're not the most vertical people in our fellowship. <laughs> but but they they gave me nothing, so I'm standing there in the airport, and I travel a lot, so I'm I hate the you know the airport's awkward, you know I'm I got a year maybe I'm and and. I'm doing the essay shuffle in the airport, looking at my shoes, looking at my shoes, looking at the ceiling, looking at shoes, down at my shoes, down my shoes. People running by, and I don't like that. I'm uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable. And I got this sign that says, you know, Harvey and Nancy. Well, I'm standing in a way that the light is, it, it just looks like a white uh, piece of paper. So, of course, here comes Harvey and Nancy, and, and <laughs> they stand right, they look at me, I guess they just, you know, they can't read the sign, so they stand right next to me. And Harvey takes it, they're not here. And he takes out his phone and he's like, i got to call these people because they're not here. And so I'm still doing the essay shuffle, you know, I'm looking at my feet, I'm looking down. And then Harvey starts, he's doing the essay shuffle, he's looking at his feet, he's looking at his feet, looking around. And then Nancy takes a step, she looks at him, and she looks at me, and she goes, Are you the sexaholic? (laughs) So, so that was kind of funny. That's how we met. Harvey came and spoke, and he showed us that you can laugh with this disease. It's not miserable. You can be happy, joyous, and free, and laugh, and you can be silly. You can say the word sex, and you can have fun in your home. And it was wonderful for me. So, of course, I'm like, I got to have this guy as my sponsor, and we're, we're driving back to the airport. Harvey, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm. I'm like, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask this guy to sponsor me, and my friends were like, Ooh, "Do you know Harvey?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know." He's a, and he goes, "He sponsors like 412 people from 16 countries and two planets," and I can't believe it. I'm like, "Oh God!" But and there's one in the car, and I'm like, blah, "What you want? You you do uh, you, uh, you have a phone? Uh, do you ever use it?" And he's like, you know, are you trying to ask me to sponsor you? So, of course, yes. And so that's how we started working together. Um, And it's a beautiful thing. Now, uh, I'm not going to do this this next event, but one of the most wonderful things in my heart, uh, because Nancy did it, and Nancy's far prettier than I am, and I I don't want to do this again, because it was so beautiful when you did it, Nancy. I I don't know if we were in Chicago where we were, but Nancy introduced Harvey, and, and she said, if you've been helped by Harvey, essay or Essanon, by his tapes, his CDs, his phone calls, his meetings, just stand up. And I swear, 95% of the room rose and clapped, and it, it was just a beautiful thing. <laughs> Three more pages. I got a little book here.
2: <laughs>
1: so, the last thing, I'm, I, I am I am I, I'm handicapped when it comes to, to emotions. And, and I, you know, how do you tell someone what they've done for you? You know, how grateful you are for them the work they've put in. All my brain says is Starbucks gift card. <laughs> you know, maybe 20, 25 bucks. That's all I can think of. So, I I said, no, you know, I just need to look him in the eye and say, Harvey, I love you. I'm so grateful for every moment you've given me. This city is grateful for what you've done for us, and this fellowship is grateful. Our speaker tonight, everyone, Harvey A. from Nashville.
3: everyone. Wow. I'm Harvey Asher, sexaholic (laughs) from Nashville, Tennessee. I've been sexually sober 33 years and 10 months. But there is someone in this room who has more sobriety and is a pioneer of pioneers to be a woman, the oldest basically in sobriety, one of the women, and to break these frontiers. Sylvia, would you stand up? There? And Jean, how about you stand up? Can you stand up? (laughs) Jean is the man she took the contract out on to kill. my kind of woman. (laughs) You're my kind of people. But I'm going to get serious for a moment, if possible. I've got to read you a poem that's 2,500 years old. a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Many women do noble things, but you suppress You surpassed them all. Nancy, would you get up and come up for a moment? And she's good in bed, too.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you think I'm still not a sexaholic? I might be 78, but I'm not dead yet. <laughs> Jesus, leave. This is a woman I kept giving venereal diseases to. This is a woman who had to go through such embarrassments. Who had to explain things to our children. Who had to defend me. What people would say they heard about me. Because I'm a low bottom drunk. And she stood by me. And she stands by me. Do you know what it takes for these women to live with guys like us? Or people like us? We can't hardly live with ourselves. and Yet these people somehow get through. If our marriage made it, anybody's marriage could make it but it's based on sobriety. You know? Just based on sobriety. And it's based on that I would take a bullet for my wife, not think twice, but she can never come before my program. My wife cannot come before my program My children cannot come before my program. My religion cannot come before my program. My profession cannot come before my program. My God cannot come before my program. This if I'm not sober. I can't have any of those. When I'm sober one day at a time... The miracle is we tend to keep all of them. I want to tell you what I'm really like with 33 years sobriety. What am I really like? Well, one of my, spon- one of my 700 sponsees... <laughs> And Will, if you think he's mean to you, you should see what I'm to him. Wow! <laughs> Have you ever seen a conference run better than this?
2: <laughs>
3: now, I all had to like, come down here to tie him up. Mark, you can't do this, you can't do that. Let's go. But he follows simple suggestions. And if not, I yell at him. (laughs) But let me tell you who I really am. One of my sponsees who lives in Uruguay was coming through New York in a trip he had. And Nancy and I happened to be in New Jersey. This was some months ago. And so I said I'd meet him at the Port of Authority. Because he was in Manhattan and we were in Jersey. And I said, I'll meet you for coffee. So I so get on the bus to go to Manhattan. All I could think about is... I wonder if I have more sobriety than Roy has. Can you imagine that starts obsessing me? I start looking up numbers, start doing things. I get to see the guy we meet, we sit down. I said, I can't talk to you. You gotta help me figure out if I have more sobriety than Roy. <laughs>
2: Thirty-three
3: years of sobriety. And I'm obsessing. So he gives me, we does stuff. and said, no, that can't be right. Let's do it again. <laughs> and we're doing it and doing it. And then I got the answer. And then I said, my God, what that man had. When I came in, he had seven years sobriety. I still don't have what he has with my 33 years. This man, Roy, was divinely inspired to have figured out the things and shared the things he was able to discover with such minimal sobriety at the time. Unbelievable. Now why am I saying this? And Mike brought some of this up today. Mike C. Many of you don't even know Roy wrote the book. Roy is becoming a name that people hardly know. Roy K. was there alone. (laughs) He paid for everything out of his pocket. It was in his garage for years. Now, did we get along well together? Can you imagine me with an authoritarian figure? I might be short, but man, am I wild. That poor guy what he had to deal with me and all the other newbies but I don't want us to forget him what we owe him but also God what God could do he could take a slow life Sex addicts and talk through us and do such miraculous things, it's inconceivable. And each of you are Roys, each of you are pioneers. We're breaking ground that people have never broken ground in non religious. Areas. we're doing and discovering things that people can't believe my sponsor would say Harvey if this program worked for you it could even work for a dog
2: <laughs>
3: so let me tell you how the program works because I don't want to talk about the first few steps. This program is being crippled by us never getting beyond step three and four. The meetings constantly about the problem. About acting out, first of all, our program isn't even about acting out. Where does it say one thing about acting out in the steps? Does it say one thing? We admitted we were powerless to pornography? No way! Doesn't say that. Doesn't say we're powerless over masturbation. It says we're powerless over lust. And so, the fellowship never deals with it. It's one of many subjects the fellowship doesn't deal with. Fellowship doesn't deal with the fact that most people in this room are not living a monastic life. You're having sex with your wives. It's never spoken about. It's like everyone's monks. We have so many secrets in this fellowship. Fellowship. And we never get beyond those first few steps. We have these myths that inundate us. We're a very religious group of people. For whatever reason, this program attracts religious people. And so, what happens? We bring this and make this a another kind of religion. And what do we do? Oh, God will do it. God does it. God does it all. Bull crap. God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You know, in AA they say, If a recovering alcoholic takes a bottle of booze that's open and puts it up to his mouth, God is so powerful that he can knock that bottle right out. But statistically, he doesn't do it. (laughs) What the hell do we need steps for if God's going to do it all? The first step doesn't even mention God. But you'd never know it from the way people are a lot of times in the program. Let's put it another way. In some avenues, they call it the bread of shame. What's the bread of shame? That kind of unusual expression. What's the bread of shame? Well, picture this. A young kid is on a baseball team, junior league, junior league, and he's hitting a home run with every single pitch. Every pitch. The pitcher sends him. He knocks that ball right out of the... The crowd's cheering. He wins the game for them. They lift him up. They carry him around cheering. The crowd's cheering. Oh, he feels so wonderful. And then the next day, he finds that his father paid the pitcher to send him only good pitches, and he paid the crown to cheer, and he goes into depression and shame. If God does all this for us, not that he can't, there's nothing else but God. But if he doesn't give us free will, we just sit on our ass. This program's not easy to work. And I said it the other night at a professional meeting. We're asking the impossible. There's nothing that feels better than an orgasm. I mean, what can you do? It has this... Why? Why? This God in in His infinite wisdom knew the world needs to survive. So He figured this unbelievable thing out. (laughs) What did He figure out? As I said the other night, just picture this. Do you think a caveman would go out all day with a stick and a rock attached to it, go beat down a tiger, and bring home the food for his children if he wasn't getting some from his wife that night? (laughs) come on, tell me something else. (laughs) I often say to my wife, honey, what an invention. How could God have thought of something this strange? That feels so good. The whole thing's kind of strange. (laughs) But it lets the world continue. Without it, and just like the 12 and 12 says, these are just just natural instincts that have gone haywire. We're allergic to lust. We're not normal people. Normal people could lust. We can't lust normally. That's how the cookie crumbles. What's another myth? There's only one way to work this program. Bull! Where the heck did that message come from? We do not have cookie-cutter sobriety. You can't just fit everything for the different people. Yes, we have the sobriety definition. We have steps. We have God as we understand them. We have fellowship. We have sponsorship. But I wish you well if you think you could get a bunch of drunks to do what you think they should do. First of all, how the heck can I say should do? That's a shame word. I got five minutes. No way. (laughs) I'm 78 years old. This might be it, buddy. (laughs) So if you have to take a bathroom break, go for it. You're lucky, because I'm 78, I'm going to need a bathroom break pretty. Soon. So it can't go on indefinitely, so don't panic. Don't let yourself go into shame. Shame is our enemy. Shame is giving the first step the middle finger. Shame is saying, I'm bad getting good, not sick getting well. Every time you go into shame, you are blocking that you are without power. And there's nothing that helps shame except to do it again. In Nashville, you always know who my sponsees are. This will be sitting in the room. Because we do this very special thing for shame. It's just nasty energy that we pick up. We brush it off. I learned it from a massage therapist. What well, could I tell you? There are good things you can learn from anybody. It really works. You brush that crap off. And then you say, thank you God for reminding me I'm still sick. The people who lose their sobriety in this program are the people who do very well and then think they're cured. Every time you're reminded that you're not cured yet, You get another gift so you don't disappear from the program because I need constant medication. Now, I'm dyslexic. Anybody who wants to do big book study with me, it's very painful (laughs) for me to read too much. My program is based on the oral tradition, what one sponsor says to another. And so this afternoon, my wife had almost carried me out of here. This I was weeping so much from Will's story. Why? Will didn't know it. I told him afterwards. Because he was quoting word for word what my sponsor taught me 30 years ago. I'll give you an example. Nancy and I were in Portugal some years ago, in Estoril, and I really wanted a meeting. And so we went into Lisbon to find the English-speaking meeting, and it wasn't there anymore. And I stopped someone on the street, and they said... Oh you know the next day there was one and so we go back by train the next day and we go and the church was closed and I just surrendered and I stood out there and I did the Our Father and I made my only tiny meeting and all of a sudden someone walks by and I said, Do you know where there's a AA or NA meeting? And he said, Wait. And he goes across the street into a bar, brings some people out, (laughs) and says, oh, they're restoring the church, so we're meeting in the bar. (laughs) So they decided to have a meeting in the portico of the church on the steps. We sat on the floor. And one guy was so angry, he said, I don't, I don't know English. Because they had converted it back to a Portuguese-speaking meeting. I don't speak English. And someone else says to him, if you were trying to pick up some English-speaking woman in a bar, you'd speak English, wouldn't you?
2: <laughs>
3: so we had the meeting, and at the end of the meeting, I shared something my sponsor, Cherry, had taught me about the sixth and seventh step. He said, see, Harvey, this cancer here? Yes, God, remove it, remove it. But then you say, God, see this cancer? Leave it alone. I'm not ready to have it removed. No, the seventh step says all of it. All of it. But many of the things that Will was saying was many of his things. So we leave the meeting, and we're walking up a hill, and I start to cry. And I said, Nancy, Cherry, my sponsor, who had died like 10 years before, Cherry, my sponsor, is now living in Portugal. The 11th step prayer. We die to everlasting life in this program. We live forever. I cried, this Cherry was now living in San Antonio. This is the program. This is the fourth dimension being catapulted into a fourth dimension. What is this stuff? We never talk about it. How many meetings have been about the fourth dimension? I brought it up today at a meeting. Fourth dimension. I'll tell you fourth dimension. We were driving home from Atlanta a week or so ago, and I get a call from Sweden. And this guy says, I'm from Iran. Do I have permission to translate your talk in Poland that I've already translated?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Which means, possibly and probably, it's nothing like I really said that you have no input in translation. He said, I'm translating it into Farsi. So a country that is having difficulty with Jews is using a talk a Jew made to translate into Farsi. (laughs) If that's not the fourth dimension, what the heck is? For many people in this room, your lives are involved in waiting for the second coming. For many people of other religions, they're waiting for a first coming. But what is that coming? The fourth dimension. Where the Iranians are with the Jews. The lion and the lamb are laying together. And how is that possible? This we're living it in this program through anonymity. We have no whites, blacks, Asians, Jews, Christians, women, men, Muslims. We just have sick drunks. <laughs> We connect through our illness. We only have our story. We share our experience, strength, and hope. Very appreciative you asked me to speak, but you know it was all rigged. This I probably would have fired him as a sponsee if he had asked someone else. (laughs) So if any old-timers weren't asked, you now know why. Nothing about you personally. It's that I blackmailed him. (laughs) So I want to end with the ways I always end that cherry, and I've added some things that cherry would tell me and ask me. But the first thing, something someone else said, there is nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. If you don't have that God, get him. That's the one I had to borrow and became mine. Let's do it in unison. There is nothing you could do to make God stop loving you. The other thing would be, my sponsor would say, do you think God loved you? when you were doing all those low-life things that you did. And let me tell you, I abused my wife in frequency. I was a chronic, obsessive masturbator. And I was promiscuous with men, women, anything that walked. And then one day my wife yelled out, and even if they didn't walk, And he'd say, do you think God loved you when you were doing all those low-life things you did? And finally I'd squeak, squeak out, yeah, I guess so. And he'd say, well, he lo- if he loved you then, he must be hog-ass wild about you now.
2: <laughs>
3: now, there is no way I'm going to end this without my occasional endings. That's not essay approved. <laughs> so I want everyone to get up and we're to sing zippity-doo.
2: <laughs>
3: you ready? Who knows all the words? Okay. zippity doo Da zippity
2: my, oh, my,
3: what a wonderful day Plenty of sunshine head my way Zippity-doo-dah, zippity yay.
2: Mr. Bird bluebird on my shoulder it. It's a truth
0: it's
3: a natural It's a Zippity-doo-dah, zippity yay. Wonderful feeling wonderful